In the next station, we will listen to the journey of mankind and God through the Old Testament. There will be images along the wall corresponding to the different sections of the story overview, with scriptures you can read below each image. Please head to the next station now. Station 3, The Pursuit. When the narrator begins, you can head to the first image and follow. As you journey through this station, consider how God was always working in and through His people, even as they continued to turn away from Him and follow their own pursuits. As the scriptures tell us, God's faithfulness never diminishes, never wavers, never fails. Adam, where are you? This was the question God asked of His created image bearers when they chose sin over love, self over others, a snake over a loving father, independence over community. Yet God never left them. As they left the garden He had made to dwell with them, God continued to bring them blessing, protection and guidance, calling them back to His ways and pursuing them with His truth and love. Cain, where are you? As brother turned on brother and retribution was required, God brought forgiveness through atonement and his salvation through the gift of faith. Where are you? But sin had settled into the fabric of our humanity. Rebellion against our maker and pride that resulted in suffering and death. And so began the pursuit of mankind, where we wavered between self-worship and returning to God. Generations came bringing rot and pain, anguish and anger, suffering and pride. Where are you? A clean slate and a new start, but even after being replanted and commissioned by the God who saved them, sin followed them and they turned from God. Abraham, where are you? A promise to bless the world through a people who would be called his own. Through 12 tribes, God would grow his people to represent him to the world. A young, arrogant son, betrayed by brothers, enslaved and exiled, imprisoned but innocent, a dreamer, a leader. But God meant it for good, and a nation is saved from famine. Moses, where are you? A burning bush reminding a chosen voice who God is and God's desire to save his people from slavery. The great I Am's mighty hand parting the very sea to free his people, leading them through the wilderness and survival to the land he had promised them, a land to live with him, their God. Israel, where are you? Yet God's people forget him and his ways, again, as they turn from him and pursue idols. Over and over God forgives them and brings them his words of wisdom and his laws for how to live the life for which he had designed them. God's people spurn him as king, wanting to be like the godless nations around them. They beg for him to replace himself and put an earthly king in place. God gives them over to their desires, but with the dire warning about what would happen. David, where are you? King after king cannot represent the type of king God would be. But God once again moves towards his people in forgiveness and love to bring them to himself and promises an ultimate king would one day become the one true king born of the line of David. Yet God's people continue to stray from his ways and heart, returning to their idols and living life their way, leading to death, corruption, civil wars and exile. Where are you? God never fails. God never goes back on his promises. God's pursuit continues as he sends prophets and judges and priests to help bring his message of life to them. But they turn from all his ways. But I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no savior except me. Hosea 13 verse four. And his plan would not fail. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Isaiah 9 verses 6 to 7. After centuries of pursuing mankind with his love, justice, correction and mercy, God came to earth himself to do what no person could do for themselves. God came to find us, to save us. Consider the grand story of God's pursuit of mankind, how his love and compassion have been evident from the garden to nativity. This God who called out to his people over and over again knows your name. Thank him now that he calls you personally. Think on your own journey and God's pursuit of you. Thank God for his wisdom and generosity towards you. Please move on to the next station now. Station four, the final teachings of Jesus. We will explore two main events in this section highlighted by the table with perfume and the dinner table in this station. When the first audio starts, spend some time breathing in the fragrance and consider the woman who anointed Jesus with expensive perfume. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. The anointing of Jesus brings out an important contrast between the insight and devotion of Mary and the indifference and blinkered responses of the disciples. As a result of Mary's insight and actions, the fragrance of Christ's person filled the house. This did not call attention to Mary, but to the Savior as the King Priest who must die for the sins of the world. As you smell the fragrance of the perfume, consider how you might reflect Mary more in the way you approach Jesus. Listen to the next clip of Jesus at the Last Supper with his disciples as you move towards the table. Imagine being there and what it must have been like as a disciple or a follower of Jesus. It was now the day before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He had always loved those in the world who were his own, and he loved them to the very end. Jesus and his disciples were at supper. The devil had already put into the heart of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, the thought of betraying Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him complete power. He knew that he had come from God and was going to God. So he rose from the table, took off his outer garment and tied a towel round his waist. Then he poured some water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter. Are you going to wash my feet, Lord? You do not understand now what I am doing, but you will understand later. Never, 
At any time will you wash my feet. If I do not wash your feet, you will no longer be my disciple. Do not wash only my feet, then. Wash my hands and head, too. <laughs> Those who have taken a bath are completely clean and do not need to wash themselves, except for their feet. All of you are clean. All except one. Jesus already knew who was going to betray him. That is why he said, all of you except one are clean. The Bible was written in a specific time and culture, and its instructions are sometimes phrased with specific customs. In those days, travel happened on foot, on dusty roads with open-toed sandals. In Jesus' day, foot washing was a normal part of a formal banquet and performed by the lowest servant. When we serve one another by helping with real needs, we are obeying the spirit of the law of Christ. We are washing feet when we give people lifts to church, when we help them move furniture, when we bring a meal for the sick or those in need, when we clean a house for the bereaved. We wash feet when we encourage the depressed, are patient with the angry, spend time with the lonely, grieve with those who mourn. We are washing feet when we create environments of mutual respect and service with those who are working for us. As you walk to the next station, think of your relationships at work, at home, at social clubs, at school or varsity, at church. Who are those Jesus is prompting you to move towards in humility, unselfishness and service? Think of any people who work for you. How can you serve them better? Station 5, The Garden of Gethsemane As you move slowly through the station, there are guided prayer moments. Each time the narrator starts speaking, please make your way to the next stand in the garden. If you wish to linger longer at any point, just press pause on this audio. Please walk towards the first stand now. In order to understand Jesus' suffering at the end of the Gospels, we must remember how he is introduced at their beginning. Jesus was not created. He was not only there when everything was created, but he himself took part in creating it. For all eternity, he had lived in a relationship of absolute intimacy and love with his Father. Read the account on Stand 1 and the considerations and prayer points provided. greater emotional pain than the loss of a relationship one desperately wants. If a mild acquaintance condemns or criticizes us and says they never want to see us again, it is painful. But if a parent or spouse or significant person in our life does this, the psychological damage is infinitely worse. Our level of hurt when we are betrayed or rejected is elevated to the level of intimacy and in the time we have been in that relationship. The longer and more important the relationship that ends, the greater the trauma and the pain. Consider all the people that were betraying Jesus on this night of nights, from acquaintances to his disciples, from the Jewish religious rulers to the justice system, from a disciple he knew would betray him to his closest friends who were to desert him in his most needed hour. This was deep betrayal. But then his father also turned on him condemned him and poured out infinite wrath and judgment on him. Jesus' sufferings and stress would have been eternally unbearable. We recognize that Jesus bore as the substitute in our place 
the endless exclusion from God that we deserve. As he grappled with the reality of what he was about to go through, even as he prayed, Jesus started to go into a state of trauma and shock, so much so that he sweated blood. Read the scriptures and considerations on stand two. just become so anguished that they sweat blood. Jesus had probably been thinking about what was going to happen to him for the whole evening. Perhaps over supper while he was giving thanks, singing praise to his father, enjoying dinner and teaching his disciples, in his mind he was thinking about what lay ahead. In his final hours, he was living the first and second commandment, to love God above all else and to love others as himself. Please read the scriptures and considerations on stand three. As you complete the walk through the garden and head to the next station, consider how Jesus processed his stress and pain. We all face trials and stress that bring us to our knees. How does Jesus show us how to bring these before God? Are there any trials and stress you need to bring before God today? Station six, the trial. So we come to the moment where Jesus is handed over to those who lead the Jewish people, the high priests. And then he will be handed over to the justice system of Rome. Listen now to the trial of Jesus as told in the Gospel of Mark, as you look at some of the images that have been created to represent this awful event. Consider how Jesus, an innocent man, is treated at the expense of the pride of the priests, the apathy of the politicians, and the corruption of sinful men and women and consider that he did this for you and for me. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so. Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him! they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder. Crucify him! Wanting to satisfy the crowd, 
Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is, the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Look at the basin of water symbolizing the world that washed its hands of the one who loves us most. What happened to Jesus is the worst act of humanity. We took our own creator who loves us and cherishes us, who names us and pursues us, who never gives up on the promises he has made to us and who has never done any wrong to any of us, but loves us each completely. This creator was handed over in exchange for a known terrorist and murderer. We would prefer to see him dead rather than face up to our own darkness. Our own voices say, crucify him, crucify him. When we turn away from God, from his ways, his truth, his life, his love. Pray that God would forgive you for all the times you have turned from him, spurned his love for you, for your sin against him and against others. As you make your way to the next station, thank God that he hears our prayers of confession and repentance and is swift to forgive us. Station seven, the walk to the cross. Jesus was made to pick up his own cross, the cross to which he would be nailed to and carry it up to Golgotha, also known as Calvary, a skull-shaped hill where crucifixions took place. Historians believe the cross would have weighed about 136 kilograms. Look at the equivalent weight in potatoes. Try to imagine what it would be like to be forced to carry all of that weight, knowing that impossible pain also lay at the end of that journey. The beating Jesus would have gone through was renowned for killing victims before it had even finished. His body would have been torn and shredded when he attempted to pick up the heavy cross. He would have been weak, tired, and in extraordinary amounts of pain. On the wall are some of the scriptures that foretold what was happening that awful night and morning. Read as you reflect while the music plays. Along the next wall is an article written in 1965 by a physician who analyzed the six hours of what would have happened to Jesus' body on the cross. It was published in the Arizona Medicine magazine. It is difficult to read through even part of it, but helps us to really understand the levels of pain and trauma our creator put himself through in order to pay for our debts. Maybe scan over some of what this physician wrote over the next few minutes of music. If it is too difficult, just proceed on and reflect on how much God must have loved us to be willing to bear so much pain for us. Consider what this means for the call on us when he says, if any would be my disciple, he must pick up his cross and follow me. How is God calling you to follow him more personally? 
scripture tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Please head to the next station where we'll get an opportunity to fix our eyes on Jesus. Station 8, the cross. As we come finally to the cross, let us reflect on what Jesus did for us. Jesus loved the world so much that he took all the evil and wickedness that man had ever committed. He who had done no wrong went before God with every sin man had committed since Adam's fall in the garden and accounted for it. As you listen to the following song, reflect on what the cross means for the world and for you personally. Quiet yourself to hear God and to experience the depth of his love for you. Thank him that he would hang on a cross, bearing the worst pain and humiliation possible to show true love. As you pause at the cross, consider if there is something that God is prompting you to hand over to him. A relationship, a fear, an anxiety, a habit you can't shake, a sin you're carrying. Why not write it down and lay it at the foot of the cross? If you need to ask him for forgiveness, reach out to him. He promises to forgive. Come close, listen to the story. for communion and then find a seat at the next station. Station 9, Communion. As you sit, Consider all that we have experienced and considered over this journey to the cross.
will now listen to a song written by two of our songwriters about communion with God, the ultimate aim of the gospel and the ultimate aim of worship, to be with God. The bread and wine represent God's body and blood broken and spilled for us so that we can be forgiven and be in the presence of our Creator as restored and redeemed creations in communion with our Savior. As you listen, reflect on the words of the song. If you haven't done so yet, prayerfully take communion.
Before we walk past the final station, consider this. It is the final stage of Good Friday, when Jesus is laid to rest in another man's tomb. As far as the world can tell, evil has won. The Son of God has been defeated. The disciples withdraw in grief and confusion and with fear for their lives. They'd missed all of Jesus' teaching about why he had come to earth and how he would die and on the third day rise again. We know Sunday is coming. Ultimate victory won and eternal salvation assured. But the disciples would spend the next day in mourning. They'd given up careers, family, reputation for the hope of the message Jesus proclaimed. And they are left wondering if it had been worth it. They are left feeling guilty for deserting their friend and teacher in his hours of greatest need. And they are full of fear that it had all been for nothing and they have forfeited their own lives for nothing. We live in a world that lives in this Easter Saturday state, longing for the hope of joy, but not knowing that Sunday is coming. What a gift to be on the other side of Easter, of knowing that with Jesus' resurrection, he is secured for all who believe in him and call on his name for salvation and eternal security that can never be shaken. As you walk past this final station of Jesus lying in death in the tomb, Consider the world, your spheres and people you know who need to know the hope of Easter Sunday, the hope of Jesus who fulfills our deepest heart's cry. Pray for those you know who are suffering. Pray for those who are feeling hopeless. Pray for those you are hoping to come to know Jesus. Consider if there is anyone you could reach out to today or over this next while to speak words of hope and love. Some final thoughts before you head into the rest of the day. Thank you for participating in our Way to the Cross journey. We trust this has been a meaningful time for you. Our Easter Sunday celebration services will happen here at 8.30 and 10.30 in the morning and 6 in the evening, or can be found online from 8.30 a.m. on our YouTube channel. If you have never considered yourself a Christ follower and the stations today have stirred something in you that you would like to respond to, or if you have more questions you would like to ask, please visit our involvement desk through the next doors to speak to someone or to request an Ignite booklet, a booklet designed to help new or not yet believers in their faith journey. If you would appreciate prayer, please also speak to the person at the involvement desk. We are here to help. When you feel ready, move through the doors for some tea and coffee. Have a wonderful Easter weekend.